Historical documents confirm there was exactly 483 years between the decree of King Xerxes of Persia to rebuild Jerusalem to the time Jesus rode into the same city on a cult as the prophesied Messiah, outlined in Matthew 21. According to the prophecy of Daniel, written over 550 years earlier, there will be exactly 483 years between these two events, just as historical sources outside of the Bible have recorded this. Even more astonishing is this archived evidence presents itself with such pinpoint specificity that we now know there was exactly 173,880 days between the two events, which incidentally equals 483 years to the day. Join us now as we examine this and so much more in the 70 weeks of Daniel, the foundation to the coming tribulation. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello and welcome back. This is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. We're covering the 70 weeks of Daniel, what is subtitled The Foundation for the Coming Tribulation. This is part of an overarching series where I'm looking into what I call the second coming or the, I'm sorry, the certainty of the second coming. Uh, So this is the third category where we're investigating what Daniel Uh, was given both uh, prophetically in in dreams and visions and interpretations of dreams. So we covered the first section by looking at his interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. We talked about how nobody could interpret it, and he was uh, given that interpretation. But what the uh, various four sections of the the image meant, um, we'll get into what the final piece is when the image is crushed, uh, in, in the last section, but so that kind of set the stage. That was in chapter two. Everything that we're going to do from here on in covers more of the prophetic, uh, what was given to Daniel from chapter seven to twelve. So that's where we're at. And uh, hopefully, if 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 you like this, if you're interested in material like this, if you wouldn't mind subscribing uh, to our to our platform, whatever you're watching it on or listening to on. We're on all the different uh, podcast platforms, YouTube, and uh, if you could hit the subscribe button, that would be deeply, deeply appreciated. It helps us get the information out. It helps uh, get us into the algorithms, into the search engines, because ultimately we're trying to get the message out there and get the truth out there um, concerning the veracity of Scripture, concerning the truth of, of, of Jesus being the Son of God, and looking at a whole host of other subjects as well. Uh, what's going on geopolitically in the world, what's going on in technology, how that may relate to things that we're, we could be looking at. We look at history, geology, various areas of the science, um, the different cultures, things that may have been passed down or transferred, uh, you know, because ultimately it's, it's about getting the truth. So again, if you can, and if you wouldn't mind jumping on the website, hitting the uh, email list, Uh, there's a pop-up right there when you jump on and you'll be able to just sign in. And all we do is alert you to new uh, subjects or new topics that may be coming out, new things that are being posted. Uh, We don't do anything else with that information. So on that note, we're about to get into the vision that was given to Daniel uh, by the Lord that lined up exactly with the vision that was given to King Nebuchadnezzar. So I'm going to do a little bit of reading. I'm talking about Daniel chapter 7, what's called his dream of the four beasts. 
In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of the dream. Let me jump down to verse 4. The first, he saw these first, I'm sorry, these first, he saw four great beasts. Um, and, and they were coming, coming up out of the sea. So the first beast coming out of the sea was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. So that's your first image, and that's highlighted in yellow if you're watching on video. In the green highlight, and verse 5, and there was before me a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one, one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. The next verse, uh, 6, after that I looked, and there before me was another beast. This is the third one, one that looked like a leopard, and it, on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. So there's your three beasts. Lion, bear, leopard. The fourth one. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast. Terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured his victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different than all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted. So this horn had eyes like that of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. So picture, if you can, this beast, which he can't even uh, correlate to an animal. He, he, all he says is just a horrifying uh, beast, and it has ten horns. So picture, if you will, that three of the horns pop out, and up comes an eighth horn, and that's the one that has the, the eyes like that of a man and represents, represents a man. Uh, if you're hearing engines, it means the town is on fire, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if you're picking that up, but those of you who have these uh, loud town horns, that's what I'm getting in the background. So hopefully, if you are, that will die down momentarily. I do have a nice soundproof studio with somewhat limited isolation you know the these horns in town are very very loud uh so at any rate i digress and as i i'm, I'm now at at verse eight so he had let let me just say that he's shaken by these images he's really shook he sees these four beasts coming out of the sea he does not know what to make of it um verse nine as i looked thrones were in place and the agent of days took his seat so this goes on to what will happen in the uh, final kingdom, uh, the Ancient of Days and the Son of God. That will be covered in the last um, final section of this. So I'm going to jump to the interpretation of the dream of the, of the four beasts. So in verse 16, um, this is what the angel says to him. So he told me and he gave me the interpretation of these things. He said, the four great beasts are as four kings that will rise from the earth. If you're watching on video, I'm on the right-hand section in the green category. Now, the yellow-orange uh, highlight in verse 19. Uh, 
Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different than the others and most terrifying with its iron teeth and bronze claws. The beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot uh, whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell off and the horn that looked more imposing than the others and had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. So there you have it. Daniel's, uh, okay, I get it, you know, uh, that he understands about these beasts, but he can't get his mind off of the fourth beast with the ten horns, and then the three horns pop off, and then you, you, you see another one. This is all very important. You'll see this play out some more as we go along. I'm doing my best to describe this for those who are on podcast. Uh, verse 21, as I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. This is the boastful horn with the, with the eyes and, and the mouth. Until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horses are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and laws. So this is obviously referring to the Antichrist. Satan is working through him. He's trying to offset the plan in motion that the Lord has because Satan is very much aware that he's on a limited timetable. He understands he can read the word. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the, I'm sorry, um, the holy, uh, uh, he will speak against the most high and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times. Okay, now I know where I am. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for, for a time, times, and, time, and half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. You'll see that time, times, and half a time represents three and a half years. Uh, we, we will be covering that. So there you have the interpretation. And now I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on this next slide. Because this vision correlates specifically with the image that was given that, uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar saw. So remember, ne King Nebuchadnezzar the head of gold rep represented Babylon. So it is that the body of the lion with the wings of eagle also represents that same Babylonian empire. Um, this imagery, uh, the, I'm sorry, the lion from the thickets of the Jordan, which we can reference, this is uh, lions in, in the day, in Jeremiah 49, 14 and 50, 44, because just as lions fled from the thickets and attacked nearby villages along the Jordan when it overflowed its banks, so the Babylonian general had spread out beyond its intermediate region to attack surrounding countries. This was the, the military style of the Babylonian empire. It was renowned for speed. Even Ezekiel, who was alive you know, in Babylon at the time, uh, at the same time as Daniel, described him as having the wings of an eagle, um, which is Ezekiel 17.3, verse 7. The sculpted image of wings uh, was ever present throughout the Babylonian Empire. 
you will see, and, and there's so many things that have been uncovered archaeologically that bear this out, that throughout the city, not only did you see a lot of gold, but there was images of the lion and um, uh, with, the, with, the, with the wings on it. So I'm showing that here if you're watching on video. Um, then jumping to verse 2, so you have the, remember we have the silver uh, chest, and, and here you have the bear, which is uh, raised with one side. It's got the three ribs in its mouth, and that is represents the Medo-Persian Empire. The bear was considered a fearful creature. I take note of this in Samuel, Hosea, and Amos. In like manner, though, the Medo-Persians were considered a fierce foe, that according to Isaiah. It lacked the unified strength of its predecessor. Just as a bear moves slower than a lion, though larger than the Babylonian Empire, they too moved slower in their war campaigns. So the Medo-Persians were very deliberate. The one side being higher refers to the Persian influence over the Medes. They were, they were greater in power and in might. Uh, the three ribs most likely refer to their three greatest conquests, Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt. Uh, then you have the third image, the leopard with the four heads. This is one of the fastest, if not the fastest animal on earth. The four wings make it twice as fast as the Babylonians. Remember, the lion had two wings. The swiftness of conquest was a specific attribute of the Greek empire. Right? This is, this is the bronze. This is, re- relates to the bronze image. Alexander the Great invaded Asia Minor in 334 BC and within only four years captured the entire Medo-Persian Empire, including Egypt, Syria, and Israel. Within six more years, he picked up 11,000 more miles. Uh, He had enough territory to go from Greece to India. Um, And the four heads you'll see represents the four uh, generals that you're, you're going to see this in, in another vision that happened in chapter 8. So just remember the four heads on the leopard. You'll see this again pop up. Uh, so that represents your Greek empire. Then finally, uh, this beast was a monster that was dreadful, the, the, the fourth beast, uh, dreadful, terrifying, and extremely strong. It had large iron teeth that devoured uh, the feet and, cr- and crushed it and trampled people down, trampled empires down, trampled nations down. The iron teeth parallel the legs and the feet of iron in the statue. Daniel focuses on the ten horns, the little horn that rose to dominate three of the others. I I emphasize that. Daniel's interpretation later reveals that ten horns represent ten kingdoms. The little horn rises with eyes like a man, which is an idiom for human personality and intelligence. I can reference that from Ezekiel 118, Zechariah 3, 9, and 4.10. A mouth uttering great boasts is a euphemism for arrogant and boastful things, or as Daniel later reveals, speaking against God. So this Antichrist, this beast, will be speaking and boasting against God, and he will have great power. If you are watching on video, I, there, there's three stages you're, you're to consider. The first is the Roman Empire, which has ceased. That went from 16, 168 BC to 476 AD. The second stage is the empire uh, that we, or the beast that we'll see with the ten horns. So potentially we could be looking at the beginning of the tribulation with ten kingdoms. It could be could be kings, it could be nations, and it could be a combination of them. I know there was a big push once the European Union hit ten horns and they, everybody figured, oh, this is it. 
but that could represent um, kings or personalities as well, people with great power. Then probably along mid-tribulation is when you'll see the rise of the beast and the Antichrist. So it, it looks like he kind of puts three of these kings or nations aside, um, takes, takes leadership over them. So he becomes the predominant leader uh, representing those three nations amongst the clan of the other seven. All right? So those are the three stages that we're talking about. Now, jumping over to chapter uh, 8, you have uh, a, a vision of a ram, and um, he, the, the ram is attacked by a goat. So let me just say that the image of the all-conquering ram with two horns, it was budding east, west, I'm sorry, west, north, and south. Um, Gabriel explained this in the dual kingdoms, which compares, this compares the Medo-Persians to the silver chest with the two arms to the two-sided bear. So the ram budding in three different directions represents the Medo-Persians. Um, it, the, the, the three conquests of the directions that it's budding would be uh, Lydia and Greece, Babylon and Egypt. So this represents the north, the west, and the south. Uh, and that is also represents the three ribs of the two-sided bear. Uh, so, it, you know, it's, it's very, very clear here. Uh, next, then the male goat appears with great speed. It rushes the ram and it gores it and it kills it. So that's the vision that he sees. I'm giving you, you know, the quick abridged version. So I've got two maps here, if you're looking on video, uh, which is, shows the prophecies of Alexander the Great and the territory that he conquered and just the vastness of territory and the speed at which he conquered it. Let me dig a little bit deeper now. So I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 8, 7 through 14 here. In my vision, I saw him close. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, let me jump to, yeah. Now I'm still in chapter, verse 7. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 7. The great horn was broken, and in its place there came up four prominent... I'm sorry, I'm going to read this from the beginning. In my vision, I saw him close to the ram, and he was filled with rage towards him. And the goat struck the ram and shattered his two horns. And the ram had no strength before him, so he threw him to the ground, and he trampled him, and there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the male goat magnified himself exceedingly, and he was young and strong. So here you have this image of the of the uh, of the goat ramming the uh, um, the goat killing the the uh, um, the ram. It, it gored it, if you will, and the great horn suddenly broke, and in its place there came four prominent horns. So this is another situation where the one horn broke, and up comes four horns. Remember that, because we can see how that played out in history. Similar to what we just saw, one horn went down, three came up. This is one horn goes down, four comes up. So out of them came forth a rather small horn, which grew exceedingly powerful towards the south, toward the east, and toward the beautiful land of Israel. And in my vision, this horn grew up to the host of heaven. So we're jumping now to what will be Satan. And it caused some of the hosts and some of the stars to fall to the earth, and it trampled on them. Notice that fallen angels or angels are sometimes referred to as stars. Indeed, it magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the hosts of heaven. It took away from him the daily sacrifice, and the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of the transgression of God's people, their irreverence and ungodliness, 
the host will be given over to the wicked horn along with the regular sacrifice and righteousness and truth were flung to the ground and the horn will do as it pleases. This is so important and I highlight this in blue by divine permission. In other words, the Lord allows this to happen. So he's given a dream of what or a vision of what will happen in the future. We're going to see it within the Greek Empire and then we're going to see it replay into the, the final stages of the tribulation. Um, then it says, And then I heard a holy angel speaking, and another one uh, said to the one who was speaking, How much time will be required to complete the vision regarding the regular sacrifice? The transgression that brings horror and the trampling underfoot of both the sanctuary and the host of people. He said to me, For 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be cleansed and restored. So this is important when you get near the end because uh, in the first half of the tribulation, the temple is restored. Israel has that temple built um, up by the Temple Mount in that area, and there will be sacrifices. And that uh, this is where uh, Satan at the second port or, or, or the Antichrist will, will come in. Um, so he said, Behold, I am going to let you know what will happen during the final time of indignation and wrath, for it concerns the appointed time of the end. So he's telling them this is about the end times. The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy uh, male goat represents the kingdom of Greece, and the great horn between his eyes is the first king. So this represents the shattered horn and the four horns that arose in its place. Four kingdoms will arise from this nation, although uh, not with his power and heritage. So I'm going to read uh, Daniel 8, 19 through 26 here. At the latter period of this reign, when the transgressors have finished, a king will arise, insolent and skilled in intrigue and cunning. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power. He will corrupt and destroy in an astonishing manner. He will prosper and do exactly as he wills. He shall corrupt and destroy mighty men and holy people. Through his shrewdness, he will cause the sea to succeed by his hand. He will magnify himself in his mind. He will corrupt and destroy many who enjoy a false sense of security. He will stand up and oppose the prince of princes, but he will be broken, and that by no human hand, but by the hand of God. So this kind of sets the stage for what will happen at the end. He's given a, a glimpse into the future. And then I, if you're watching this on video, I've, I've got some things here where it talks about how you can prove out the 2300 uh, um, evenings and mornings, one of two different ways, whether you refer to it in days as length of time for six years and four months, or according to the sacrifices, which would be 1150 morning sacrifices and 1150 sacrifices. Either way, it works out to be exactly what was declared in that vision. And then let me just close with this with this section uh, in in chapter eight. This is this is unbelievable. Um, Alexander the Great, so his insistence on intermarrying with foreign women caused his generals to rebel. After Alexander's death, the empire was divided into four parts, which were the four generals. Interesting, we just saw the vision of the four horns rise up. This was symbolized by the image of the large horn being broken into four, sprouting in its places the four winds of heaven. Out of these horns grew a small horn that grew toward the land of Israel. I'm showing this uh, on, on, on video on the slide here. This small horn 
trampled down on God's people, made itself equal to God, removed the regular sacrifice from the people, and brought horrifying transgressions that remained for the 2,300 days before the holy uh, place was restored. Now, interesting, if we look at what happened in this Greek empire in Israel at this time, is a foreshadow of exactly what we'll see will happen, what was Daniel was revealed to at the end of days, and what John was revealed to at the end of days in Revelation. This description fits one of the most invasive and desolating figures in Jewish history. The Seleucid ruler Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who in 170 BC began a national campaign to end Judaism. He wanted to bring in his own Hellenistic culture. He minted coins bearing the transcription Antiochus Theus Epiphanes, meaning Antiochus the God made manifest. So here you have this Greek empire doing exactly what will be told in the book of Revelation at the end, and also in Daniel, showing us just as Satan will come into the temple and declare himself God. So this happened in the Greek empire. He erected an idol of Zeus Olympus beside the temple's great altar. He banned Jewish practices, observance of the Mosaic law, the Sabbath, the circumcision, including regular and daily sacrifices, and he offered swine which are unclean animals for Jews, as sacrifices at the altar. So, you know, he's, he's doing exactly what will happen. Notice what Jesus says here about, about this. So when you see the abomination of desolation, the appalling sacrilege that astonishes and make desolate, this is Jesus, spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. And then jumping down to verse 21. For at that time there will be a great tribulation, such as not has occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor will ever again. So this is the end of the tribulation, and the Lord's got to stop it because he even says no one will survive. Um, So I want to draw the comparison to the little horn of Daniel 7 uh, and the small horn of Daniel 8. If you're watching this on video, I'm showing you. If you're not, if you can at some point to it, because the correlations are, are, are amazing. So, little horn uh, of Daniel 7 compared to the small horn of Daniel 8. Origin is the fourth kingdom, Rome. In the uh, small horn, origin is the third kingdom, Greece. Uh, the eleventh horn removes three of the ten horns. The fifth horn comes out of the four horns. It persecutes Jewish people for 42 months. The small horn persecutes Jewish people for 2,300 evenings and mornings. It's amazing, the the parallels. Now I'm going to give you another one. The little horn of Daniel 7 compared to the first beast in Revelation 13. The beast of Daniel, uh, the little horn of Daniel 7, the beast whose power funneled into the little horn has 10 horns. The beast in Revelation 13 has 10 horns. Little horn, Daniel 7, rises from the sea. Beast in Revelation 13, rises from the sea. Little horn, mouth speaks arrogant words. First beast, Revelation, mouth speaks arrogant words. Little horn, mouse, mouth, meh, mouse, makes war with the saints and prevails. First beast, Revelation, makes war with the saints and overcomes them. Lastly, speaks out against the Most High. First Beast Revelation opens mouth in blasphemy against God. So, and I've got all the verses referenced here. So it's 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 like a mirror. You know, you can see this. It's as clear as day. Um, 
So if you can, you know, if you were able to jump over to the website, you can see that there. Or on YouTube, we're on YouTube. A lot, of, a lot of information. I'm going to try to wind this down getting to the 70 weeks. I apologize. This is going a little longer, but it, 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 it must be done. So Jeremiah, I want to read. This is what I say where Daniel is reading Jeremiah. And I'm going to actually leave this up here for the sake of time. Jeremiah uh, basically says, the whole land will be a waste and a horror and the nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So fast forward, Daniel's praying, he's interceding, he's near the end of the 70 years. He thinks the time is coming up. So he's interceding for the nation of Israel because he read the book of Jeremiah. But this is not the end. And this is where the the angel Gabriel appears to him and and he he informs him of this. Um, He says, I, Daniel, understood the book of the number of years, which according to the word of the Jeremiah, the prophet, were 70 years. So what happens? Daniel 9, 20 through 23. Gabriel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and wisdom. At the beginning of your supplications, the command to give you an answer was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly regarded and greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the message and begin to understand the meaning. So where he thought this was near the end, the Lord sends the angel Gabriel to know. So this next slide, it, it, it's, it breaks down a timeline of, of the 70 weeks. So Daniel 9.24 says this, 70 weeks of years or 490 years, 70 times 7, 490, have been decreed for your people and for your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make atonement for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and the prophecy and the prophet. So he gives them these six prophetic keys. But the main point I want to say on is he's saying this slice of time is 490 years that the Lord has carved out. He's carved them out in seven weeks of years, 62 weeks of years, and one week of years. So I'm going to jump down if you're following me to the left. Daniel 9.25. So you are to know and understand from the issuance of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, uh, come, the prince, there will be seven weeks of years and 62 weeks of years. It will be built again with a city plaza and moat even in the times of trouble. So he's, he's separating seven weeks of years. Why seven weeks of years? He says it right there. The command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah. So here's the command uh, to rebuild Jerusalem. The decree of Xerxes. We know this from history, history historical books. It, the, the, the decree went out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem on March 14th, 445 B.C. To rebuild Jerusalem. It was rebuilt in 49 years and completed in 396 B.C. Exactly as the Lord was w- told him through, through the angel Gabriel. So not only that, then he says... Um, Uh, to rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks of years. We just covered that. And 62 weeks of years. Okay. So now there'll be seven and 62, 69 
weeks of years. That 69 times 7 equals 483 years. I'm going to do a little bit of math here for me. Stay with me. This is so important. We're talking about the, the Jewish calendar, which is based on 360-day years. We're not talking about the, the modern-day Roman calendar that we look at today. So if we look at 445 BC, when the decree went out, to 32 AD, which we know, and I'm going to explain in a minute, that that's when Jesus entered Jerusalem as the king, what we refer to today as Palm Sunday. So 445 minus uh, to 32 AD is 173,740 days. We also know the specific dates. We know that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at April 6th, 32 AD. That gives you another 24 days. You take into account the, all of the leap years, and then you have 173,880 days, exactly 69 weeks of years to the day from when Xerxes issued the command to rebuild Jerusalem to the time Jesus entered on April 6, 32 AD, was exactly that. You cannot get more specific than that. And this is, you know, and this is Daniel prophesying this before Xerxes. So um, I'm going to explain in two slides where that information comes up with as far as the dates are concerned. Then you have the church age. Uh, so you've ended the 69 weeks of years. Then there's that last week of years, which was the day of troubles, the, the, the seven-year tribulation. So now you've got that gap from when Jesus entered Jerusalem to now, what's called the church age. And, and that's important to remember. You'll see it on the next slide. So until the tribulation comes, that kicks off the final seven years. Daniel 9, 26. Then after the 62 weeks of years, the anointed one will be cut off and have nothing, and the people uh, of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be a war. Desolations are determined. Finally, in Daniel 9, 27, and he will enter into a binding and irrevocable covenant with the many for one week, seven weeks of years. This is the peace treaty with Israel. I've got all of this laid out on video, uh, if you can. Um, and and there will, he will stop the sacrifice and the grain offering for the remaining three and a half years. And on the wing of abominations will come the one who makes desolate, even until the complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who causes the horror. So there you have the culmination of these uh, last seven years. But the the detail and the specifics, and we can prove this out. We know this happened. And again, outside historical records, outside of the Bible. I just wanted to show you one slide about the church age real quickly. I found this. Uh, there's a gentleman named Clarence Larkin, who was a 19th century Baptist minister. He has amazing charts. Uh, some people have issues with them. I think they're wonderful. They really make you think, even if you don't agree with all of them. But he, uh, I, I love it because I'm an engineer by trade. He puts visuals to trying to interpret uh, what he sees in the Bible. And he put himself in the, uh, the eye or the perspective of the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament people. And they did not see the church age. In other words, they saw what Isaiah said, 
but they did not see the the valley of the church age, which shown here on, on on the visual. They go right from the cross and the resurrection. Well, not you know they're waiting for the Messiah uh, to the Antichrist. So they don't see the valley of the church. And uh, I I just thought this it was written. Um, I'm sorry, it was drawn in the 19th century, but I, I thought it was worth looking at. Uh, let me just close this last slide. Um, the Coming Prince was a book by Sir Robert Anderson. Uh, he was worked in Scotland Yards. He was an assistant commissioner for over 20 years in London. Um, that's what he did. You know, he 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 sought out information. Uh, he was an investigator, and uh, he decided to investigate the the 69 weeks of years. So he did a lot of the research. It's a wonderful book, but he's the one who was able to conclude, and this has been borne out by a lot of other people. Uh, Chuck Missler, I know, is another one who I who I loved a lot. Uh, just a, a wonderful teacher, just brilliant, brilliant teacher. Um, but anyway, I, I do want to take note that there's a gentleman named Harold uh, Honer uh, he was a professor in the Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, he, he passed away in 2009. He did the same research. He came up with a year difference, um, but they both agreed that the end point, uh, uh, you know, it, that it took 69 weeks of years. He just saw this ending at a different date a year later. Um, so I did want to bring that up because I do like to look at, you know, what others have to say, and I was really researching this a lot. Uh, but there's so much information um, from the Middle East historical records at the time um, of King Xerxes and, and, and whatnot that are not at all related to the Bible that bear a lot of this out. But the important thing there is you know, that you're not going by a modern-day calendar. Uh, the Coming Prince is a great book. If you can, pick it up. Uh, you can get it in most bookstores and, uh, or you can get the electronic uh, download version. Um, but he was able to, and I'm sorry, King Xerxes uh, ascended to the throne in 465 B.C., bore out by the Encyclopedia Britannica. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Xerxes, this is Nehemiah 2.1, King's reign begins at the first month of Nisan. This is exactly what Nehemiah wrote. March 14th, we know, is the first day of Nisan. It is also the day that all decrees are issued. So we know that. March 14th, 445 B.C., issues the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. We know that. Again, you know, I have not Daniel 9.26 here. So what happened to the seven times seven weeks of years, the 49 years? And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I struggled with this because I saw and I, and I was able to research and come up with, okay, I get with the 69 weeks of years, but why is the Lord separating seven weeks of years from 62, he's putting them together, but why say seven weeks and 62 weeks? Why not just say 69? And there's a reason. And it took me a while, but I, I came to understand it. So 445 is the year of the decree, plus 49 years equals 396 BC. We know for a fact in 396 BC, the city of Jerusalem was completed as well as the Old Testament canon. From this point on until John the Baptist, there were no more prophets. God, at this point, with the rebuilding of Jerusalem, he established his people in his land, his city, the temple, and established his word. God had affirmed his people, his city, and his word. The complete restoration happened in 49 years 
seven weeks of years. So that's where you have this incredible amount of information down to the days, down to the weeks, the years, exactly as the Lord said it. And we know these books, um, if if you think they were written afterwards, look up uh, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. These books were, were verified to be written well, well, well beforehand. That's another subject that I cover in, in other areas. But I, I just wanted to say that, you know, you can't, I, I, I don't see how anybody can look at this and say the Bible is not credible. The Bible is borne out with all credibility from historical records on down throughout throughout the world. So, you know, there, there you have it for me. I'd like to close this section. I know I went a little long. There's just a lot of detail with Daniel. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Hopefully you, 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 you were able to grab some information and uh, share it with others. Share it, let people know about the wonderful details of Jesus. So uh, any questions, comments, email me, russicoutlook at gmail.com. Happy to take it. This has been a wonderful time. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. I certainly appreciate it. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, And until the next time, and now we're going to cover in our last section uh, exactly what Daniel saw for the end of days. God bless you. This is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And as always, just my opinion.